Welcome on into the Jazz Talk Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. Today's episode, we got a lot to talk about. We have Jazz's new jerseys and a rebrand of the team. We have a possible Rudy Gobert trade that's been rumored all throughout the week. And then an update on the coaching search, or at least a possible update from a questionable source. However, before we get into uh, talking about the Jazz today, um, the NBA Finals just ended on Thursday night. The Golden State Warriors are the NBA champions again. They defeated the Celtics in six games. That is four championships in eight years for this Celt- or for this Warriors team. They made it to the finals six times in those eight years. Um, it's just a truly incredible run for that team. Um, congratulations to this to the Warriors um, for getting that done this year. And then also congratulations to the Celtics for making it to the finals. Um, they've got a really good young team. Now I will say though, um, just because they're young and very talented does not mean that they're going to get back here again. Um, if you remember the Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook Thunder, they made it to the finals against the Thunder or against the uh, the Heat, and it kind of seemed like they were getting themselves set up to be the next big dynasty. They're going to be the next great thing because they're all so young. And that Thunder team never made it to the finals again after that point. Um, but congratulations to the Celtics for making it this year. Uh, Steph Curry wins finals MVP. Um, just a great resume resume that that guy has put together throughout his career. Um, truly one of the all-time greats. So with that, let's get on into the jazz. So... The big news yesterday, around 11 o'clock, the Jazz announced their their rebrand. So since uh, Ryan Smith took over as owner, uh, one of the big things that he wanted to do with this team was put out a new logo, set the colors, and have, you know, a unity to what the Jazz are, um, a new brand to go by to kind of show that they're moving into a new um, new era of jazz basketball, which I'm cool with. Um, you know, it's it's always hard to see when things change, um, but you hope that the when they when change does happen, that it is for the better, um, that it's a good thing. Now I will say that the the colors that they picked. Not what I would have picked, um, but I'm okay with it. They So the colors are white, black, and yellow. But the yellow is kind of more of a light, highlighter yellow, which, again, I'm totally fine with. I think everybody that I've seen on social media is fine with the colors that they picked. Where the problem is, and I, I would encourage you, if you haven't looked up these jerseys yet, um, I'll post it on my Instagram uh, when I announce this episode um, on Why Such Basketball Pod uh, on Instagram. The white jerseys I like. Yeah, they're clean. They look good. Black jerseys are they're okay. Um, they're a little plain. The yellow jerseys I 
that's where most people are having a lot of trouble with. And the, the black jerseys aren't super popular either. And I'll tell you why. And again, if you haven't looked at these jerseys yet, I would encourage you to look at them so you know what I'm talking about. These jerseys, they seriously, they look like... So the black ones, they look like they went, okay, we have black jersey. Somebody go find us yellow letters and, and numbers, and we'll just hurry and uh, uh, iron them on. You know, like... Um, when you're a kid playing like uh, Pee Wee football, when they iron on your last name to the back of the jersey, that's seriously what it looks like. It looks like a rec league team, like a bunch of you know dads got together and decided they're gonna uh, join a an adult basketball team or uh, a league, and so we got the jerseys for them. That's what they look like. Um, there's not any cool designs to them. It, the uh, the black ones, I think the black ones just say jazz in yellow, and then they got yellow numbers underneath them. There's no extra designs to them. There's no extra flair. The yellow jerseys, they say Utah in black, and then they have the number underneath it. There's no, well, I, w I, I won't say there's not any extra design. There's a tiny little white stripe in the back that nobody's ever going to see um, on these jerseys. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have a, as big of a problem with... Let me rephrase that. It's not a problem. Um, there's that, you know... Not liking your team's jerseys is not a, a big problem. But, that being said... I wouldn't have, you know, an issue with with what the Jazz decided to do with their these new jerseys. If these jerseys hadn't been leaked months ago, so somebody found them, they got put on the internet, everybody saw them. There was already anger about these new jerseys. They did not people did not like them. I would be okay with these new jerseys if that happens and the Jazz went, "Oh, people don't like these." Let's change them to make them better. Instead, they heard the outrage. They saw people pissed off about the colors and the designs, the very, very, very minimalist design. I've talked about this before. I think it was on the Well, We're Waiting podcast um, about companies taking away all the fun from everything you know, of the design of their buildings, the design of their logos, all this stuff. That's exactly what the Jazz did here. They took away the fun with these. It's just, here's our colors, deal with it, basically. Um, but they knew that people did not like these jerseys. And instead of going like, hey, can we redesign these a little bit? Can we, you know, maybe change the font? Maybe add a, you know, stripe here, there. Add a little bit of design. Add... Um, like some, uh, trimming, you know, along, along the edges, along the neckline, all these things. Nope. Black with yellow lettering, yellow with black lettering. Um, so I, I don't know. Again, I don't mind the colors. I think the color design that they went with is going to be just fine. It's just, I mean, come on. And the thing that really kind of ticks me off about it is 
the Jazz paid some guy, I, I don't know his name, but I'm sure, you know, with the money that's in the NBA and all this, I'm sure he got paid a million dollars plus to do the full redesign. He's the one that came up with the new logo, the, the new jerseys and all this. And to be honest with you, I could have designed these jerseys. I'm not a very creative, you know, fashion guy. I wear t-shirts and shorts all day, every day, plain t-shirts. And I could have designed these jerseys. Um, anyway, the other jersey that the Jazz showed off is the Purple Mountain jerseys. And before you get too far, you go, oh, cool. They took the old Purple Mountain jerseys that Carl Malone and John Suckton used to wear, and they modernized them. They made them look real cool. Nope. They're the exact same jerseys that John Suckton and Carl Malone were wearing back in 1998. I think those jerseys got switched out in like 2004, 2006, somewhere around there. Nope. Just, re just do the exact same thing. Again, the guy that <laughs> did this whole redesign, this rebrand, they paid him a lot of money. Uh, anyway. Now, I will say, though, they did show off two other jerseys that are going to be start, starting to be used next season. Now, one of them is just, it's the old, like the really old Jazz jersey. Like when they very first came over from New Orleans, the uh, kind of lighter purplish um you know, it's what John Stockton, Carl Malone, Felton Spencer, Mark Eaton, all of them wore back in the early days of the Utah Jazz. Um, which, you know, that's cool. Like, that's their, they're going to be the, the classic jersey for next season. Or for, what would that be, 2023-2024 season. The other jersey, though, is going to be the new City jersey. And I don't know why it's not being used this year, but it it is cool. Go and look this up. I'm going to try and get it in the Instagram post when I put it up. It's purple. It's got mountains. But it's that that modernized, super cool, super clean look that I was talking about. Instead of just using the old jerseys that they used back in the day, why not make something cool? Um, so anyway, that's, that's all I wanted to say on the jerseys. I'm... A little ticked off that they, uh, again, they heard people not being happy about these jerseys months ago, and they still went forward with, nope, this is what we're going with. We're not making any changes to it at all. We're going to make our team look like a bunch of rec league or AAU jerseys. Anyway. So in the news lately, um, there's been a lot of rumors about possible Rudy Gobert trades. From what I can tell, the Jazz don't really... Like, they're not trying to ship away uh, Rudy Gobert. Like, they're open to the idea, but they really need to be blown away by a trade-off. So a team can't just go, hey, we want Rudy. Here's matching salary and a pick. The Jazz want good players, like all-star level players. A young player back. They want at least a one first-round pick back. Like, they want a good package for shipping out Rudy Gobert. Now, there is potentially a really good package um, if the teams can uh, agree on it. 
So the Jazz and the Hawks have been in talks. Eh, Jazz and Hawks. That, anyway. <laughs> um, they've been <laughs> they've been discussing a possible trade sending Rudy Gobert to the Hawks for Clint Capella, John Collins, and the 16th pick. But the Jazz want more. They want either DeAndre Hunter or Kevin Herter in this deal as well. DeAndre Hunter is the is the main target they want to go after. If they can't get him, they'll take Kevin Herter. It looks like the Hawks aren't quite willing to budge on that. But let's let's talk about this deal. Um, let's say it's just John Collins, Clint Capella, and the 16th pick, and maybe they throw in a Nike and pick or something like that. So let's just work off of that framework um, for now. Before we do that, though, I'm going to tell you, now, if you've listened to me a lot, you know I, I love Rudy Gobert. I want him with the Jazz for the rest of his career. I hate having to talk about him and trade possibilities. I'd much rather talk about them putting Donovan Mitchell in a possible trade. But this is where we're at, so we got to talk about it. So, first off, Rudy Gobert going to the Hawks. Trey Young, listen, Donovan Mitchell is a very good player. He's an all-star level player. Trey Young is already a better player than him and has the potential to be a much better player than Donovan Mitchell. Plus, his first instinct is to pass the ball. I think if Rudy Gobert goes to the Hawks, he's going to average 20 points a game this next season. He's going to dominate defensively. He's going to make an all-star game. He's going to be right in the running for defense player of the year. The Hawks are going to get to at least the second round in the playoffs. So now let's look at the Jazz side on this. So first off, uh, talking about Clint Capella. So Clint Capella is basically a mini Rudy. He's, you know, Rudy is about 7'2", 265 pounds. You know, what is, what is it, like a 7'7", seven, seven or 7'9", wingspan. Just ridiculously long dude. Clint Capella, about 6'10". 255, 260 pounds. Um, I think like a 7'4 wingspan. Um, a little more of a explosive athlete than Rudy, but I don't think he, he moves laterally as well as Rudy does. I mean, Rudy has amazing mobility for a center. Um, it's just the fact that guys like Anthony Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, and Kevin Durant exists that make it look, make what Rudy does look not as impressive. But if you compare Rudy to the average seven footer, he is insanely athletic and agile. Anyway, so Clint Capella, years, probably two, maybe three years ago, I did, uh, I did rankings, you know, top 30 centers, top 30 power forwards and so on. And at that time, I put Clint Capella as the second-best center. Now, that may have been a bit of a reach. I like Clint Capella. At that time, he was probably fifth or sixth. I would say now, Clint Capella is somewhere in like the 8 to 13 range. Um, we can really quickly go through this. This is just right off the top of my head. Um, so better than Clint Capella, you have Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, and this is in no particular order. Carl Anthony Towns, Bam Adebayo, 
I would say DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, yeah, DeAndre Ayton. Um, who else are we dealing with here? Miles Turner. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess we could say Miles Turner's better center than him. Um, I think he's better than Brook Lopez. I think he's better than Yaka Pertle. I think he's better than uh, Evita Zubac. Um, he's better than anybody that New York or Brooklyn has. Let's see. I'm just trying to go through the league really quickly here in my head. Um, you know, I say Jared Allen is probably better than Clint Capella at this point. Um, you know, that's enough. So he's probably somewhere in like that. So that that was eight guys I listed off. So he's probably somewhere in the nine to eleven range. I think he's right there with like Jonas Valanciunas with the Pelicans and. Uh, Steven Adams from the Grizzlies, um, Brooke Lopez from the Bucks. He's right in that range to where, and Jacoberto as well with the Spurs. Um, he's right in that range where he's not one of the best starting centers in the league, but he's definitely a solid starting center. Like he, he would nobody would ever bring him in to be their backup, at least not at this point in his career. Um, Capella is a very aggressive rebounder. Um, he's averaged over 14 rebounds a few times in his career. Um, I think he did this last year as well. Averaged right around 14 points, 14 rebounds. Not quite as efficient as Rudy, but not far off. Um, the big difference is he just doesn't take up nearly as much space as Rudy Gobert does. And he's not always as plugged in as Rudy Gobert is on the defensive end. That's the thing about Rudy is... On the offensive end, he can lose focus a little bit, but the defensive end, he takes it very seriously. Every single possession is, you know, he sees as his job to stop the ball from going in the basket. Good um, Capella, he, he'll take a few plays off, but for the most part, he's a pretty good defender. Um, and then the other piece of this is John Collins. Now, this piece, I would actually be very excited about getting if I'm the Jazz. So John Collins is going to be 25 years old this year, so he's actually a year younger than Donovan Mitchell. He's a six foot nine, right in the 230, you know, 225 range. Um, very explosive athlete. Um, can get very high off the floor. Um, blocks a lot of shots, but just because he's, you know, he's a good leaper. He gets off the floor well. He's got pretty good instincts. Um, his probably his biggest strength is that he is a very efficient offensive player. Um, he knocks down right around 38, 39% of his threes, which as a big man is very impressive. You know, he'll go get, get you about 10 boards a game. He can hit from basically anywhere on the floor, three pointer, mid range, um, right around the basket. Um, and he would give the jazz an option to play small ball, um, which is something that people have kept see kept saying that, oh, Quinn Snyder needs to make adjustments. He needs to play small ball. With who? Um, this last year, they tried bringing in Rudy Gay, and he wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough to get on the floor. Um, you know, and then they moved to Eric Pascal, which gave brought the team a lot of energy. Pascal helps get them a lot of turnovers. Um, but the reason they get a lot of turnovers when Pascal's on the floor is because he can't defend the way Rudy can. 
So you, you either get turnovers or the other team's going to score a lot easier than when Rudy Gobert or even Hassan Whiteside was on the floor. Um, and, but John Collins would give you that, that choice. And then finally, the 16th pick in the draft. Now, I've been doing quite a bit of work on the draft the last, I would say, three or four weeks. Um, if you listen to the last episode of Wasatch Basketball, um, I did a mock draft. So I just wanted to really quickly go over who could be available at 16 for the Jazz um, if they were to get this pick. Um, I would be looking, again, for somebody 6'5 plus that can defend. That isn't a liability on the off- offense end. Uh, my number one pick here would be Jeremy Sohan if he's still available. I think Jeremy Sohan could be the next Andre Kirilenko. Um, just so incredibly versatile and athletic defensively. Um, needs to work on his offense, but again, if he's available at 16, I'm immediately taking him. Other guys that could be available there, uh, Tari Eason out of LSU, about 6'8", 215, very similar to DeAndre Hunter and Patrick Williams, where just big, athletic um, wing players that can have a lot of potential. Just need a lot of time in the league also to, to live up to that potential. Uh, Oshai Akbaji out of Kansas. Um, great three-point shooter. Incredible athlete. More of a shooting guard than a three. Um, but very good defender as well. And then um, Nikola Jovic out of Serbia. 6'10". Reminds me a ton of like... Uh, Tony Kukoc, when he was with the Bulls, you know, 6'10", can shoot the ball, can pass, can can be a lead ball handler at times. Pretty good athlete. Um, Marjan Bochamp out of the G League Ignite program. Just a freak athlete at about 6'7". Has to work on all the, the fundamental things of basketball, but athleticism-wise, height-wise, um, hustle-wise, you know, he's... Belongs in the NBA. And then some other guys that I'm not really going to go into because I wouldn't be super into picking them, but the, our possibilities would be Malachi Branham out of Ohio State, Zach Laravia from Wake Forest, um, Usman Jiang from New Zealand, uh, Walker Kessler out of Auburn, Mark Williams from Duke, um, we'll just leave it at that for now. Um, I think when we get closer to the draft, especially if this trade actually does happen and the Jazz have that pick, we'll talk a lot more about it then. Um, but let's get into the last topic of the day. So the Jazz are, are in their coaching search. Um, they up, actually had up to 15 candidates um, that they were talking to. Um, I'll try and list them off here real quickly for you. So there was uh, Terry Stotts. Frank Vogel, Alex Jensen, Johnny Bryant, Will Hardy, Adrian Griffin, Charles Lee, Joe Mazzula, uh, Jerome Allen, Jason Terry, um, let's see here, Sean Sweeney, Kevin Young, Sam Cassell, Lamar Skeeter, and 
I'm missing one. Uh, oh, Chris Quinn. Um, so there was a tweet that came out. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. So Friday. Um, now this is not Sham Sharania. This is not from Adrian Wojnarowski, Chris Haynes, Tony Jones, uh, Mark Stein, any of the like the big um, reliable sources. This is a guy that I guess is connected to the NBA, um, but he's but apparently from his sources. Again, I don't know how reliable this is. The apparently though the Jazz are down to four candidates again. I'm not going to say that this is for sure. This is just kind of the the thing that's going around. They could have they could still be at 15 right now. Who knows? But according to to him and his sources that he's talked to, um, I should have looked up his name just so I could actually give him credit. Um, Adrian Griffin, who was a, an assistant with the Toronto Raptors the last few years. Will Hardy, who was an assistant with the Celtics and was an assistant with the Spurs last year. Um, Alex Jensen, who has been an assistant for Quinn Snyder uh, basically since Quinn Snyder got hired. And Johnny Bryant, who is an assistant with the Knicks this la these last couple of years, but was under... Uh, was part of Quinn Snyder's staff um, before that. Now, again, I'm going to keep saying this. I don't know if this is a reliable source at all. I'm just saying that this is out there. So let's talk about these four guys, why the Jazz would be looking at them. <clears throat> so Adrian Griffin has some experience coaching in the G League, but the biggest thing is that he's been underneath Nick Nurse uh, in Toronto for the last few years. I believe Nick Nurse is, if not the best, probably maybe the second best coach in the entire NBA. Um, guy's extremely smart. He knows how to maximize the players that he that he gets. He knows how to make them play hard. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't guarantee that Adrian Griffin would have the same effect. I'm just saying that that's who he's learned from. Will Hardy um, coached this last year under Ime Yudoka. Uh, with the Boston Celtics, and as we know, they made it to the finals. Um, again, how much he had an effect on that, I don't know. Um, but before that, he was a coach under Greg Popovich, and it looked like he was the next guy up if Popovich left. Popovich kept putting off his retirement. He still hasn't retired, um, and so I think Will Hardy's decided, you know what, I'm going to go to a different job. Um keep uh, adding to my resume so that hopefully some point soon I can get a head coaching job here. Um, Alex Jensen has been in Quinn Snyder's staff um, basically since Quinn Snyder got to Utah. Um, he played at the University of Utah. You know, he's a six, I think 6'10 power forward for the University of Utah for a long time. Um, has been basically Rudy Gobert's personal coach um, his, during his time with the Jazz, and, you know, as we know, Rudy Gobert, three-time All-Star, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, has turned into a fantastic player after spending 
his first season in the league, basically with the G League program, um, back when it was still the, uh, the Idaho Stampede. Um, and then Johnny Bryant has been in uh, New York the last couple of years um, with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, Tom Thibodeau is a great defensive coach. Um, before that, he was learning from Quinn Snyder. He also used to play for the University of Utah. Uh, played in Europe for a few years, um, but he was Donovan Mitchell's basically personal coach during his time with the Jazz, and Donovan Mitchell made his biggest strides, I feel, and made his most improvement as a player under Johnny Bryant, <clears throat> and I know Johnny Bryant is the guy that Donovan Mitchell wants uh, as the head coach with the Jazz. <clears throat> now, I will say one name that is left off of this that I I really would like for the Jazz to consider um, that they they have talked to is Charles Lee uh, with the Bucks. Now the Bucks, after seeing that the Jazz were talking to him, uh, promoted him to associate head coach, um, which basically means if Mike Budenholzer decides to leave, if he's fired or whatever, Charles Lee gets the job as the head coach at that point. Um, now maybe that maybe. Lee pulled himself out of the, the running because of that, or the Jazz decided not to go for him because of that. Um, but I think he would have been a great fit as the Jazz's coach. He played at Bucknell, wasn't recruited at all, um, ended up leaving Bucknell, I think, to like the third round of the NCAA tournament. But Bucknell is a small uh, academic school. Um, after that, he played in Israel for about four years. Um, and had a really similar um, getting out of basketball experience to Quinn Snyder. So Quinn Snyder played at Duke, went to Indiana, was in their training camp, and was going to make the Indiana Pacers team, but he was going to be like the 14th or 15th guy. Uh, he was just going to ride the bench the whole time. Uh, he's going to be a practice dude. And he decided, you know what, I'm kind of done with playing basketball at this point. I'm not just going to sit on the bench. And so he uh, so he decided to, uh, to leave the Pacers, and he actually went and became uh, an equities trader. Um, so basically he worked on Wall Street um, for a little bit of time. If you don't know this already, Quinn Snyder is an absolute genius. Um, he is... An insanely smart person. He's one of those guys where, even if he doesn't have knowledge in that particular subject, I think companies would hire him to be their CEO, like immediately, uh, because of how just intelligent and great at managing he is. Well, Charles Lee, after he left playing in Israel, became an equity equities trader. Um. Now. Before uh, Charles Lee went to Israel to play, he was with the Spurs for a few weeks. Um, in training camp, he almost made the Spurs team. Well, one of the coaches of the Spurs was Mike Budenholzer um, at the time. Um, and so when Mike Budenholzer got the job in Atlanta, he called up Charles Lee, wanted to see if he, he had any interest in coaching. So Charles Lee decided to become an assistant coach. Now, at that time, he was a very low, bottom-of-the-rung assistant coach. Well, while he was in Atlanta, 
Of course, he worked under Budenholzer, but he also worked under Quinn Snyder. Um, I can't think of his first name, but Lagarza, who also worked on in uh, in the Jazz staff over these last few years, and Lamar Skeeter, who's been on the Jazz staff the last few years. Um, so he's very well um, acquainted with the way Quinn Snyder does things, the way the Jazz like to do things. Um, so long story short, I, I just feel like Charles Lee is probably the best candidate that they looked at after really looking into these candidates. And so it, it kind of disappoints me to see that he's not in the list of the final guys. Now, again, that's not an official list. That's just what, uh, this guy on Twitter has put out. Um, nothing official to it. Um, but I was really hoping that the jazz would consider Lamar Skeeter or Lamar Skeeter, which Lamar Skeeter wouldn't be a bad head coach either, but, um, Charles Lee. Um, but that being said, if either, if, if any of the four of Will Hardy, Adrian Griffin, Alex Jensen, or Johnny Bryant get named the head coach of the jazz, I think the jazz would be in good hands. Um, so this was a little bit of a longer jazz episode. Um, but there's a lot to get into. Um, if you're still around, thank you so much for listening. Um, the, the draft is June 23rd. Yeah. So it is this upcoming Thursday. It's coming quick. And then, uh, June 30th at 6 PM is when, uh, free agency opens. Now it's funny cause I, I do all this work to get prepped for free agency for the off season to, to know what these teams are going to do or try and have a good idea. I'm actually going to be up in the mountains. Um, not going to have cell service, anything like that. Um, so I will put it out an episode, um, on what happens during the, uh, the, the beginnings of free agency. Um, eventually I did kind of think about driving into town real quick and getting service so I could, I could report on it. Um, it's not that important. I love sports. I love basketball. I love the jazz, but in orders of priority in your life, it's not that important. So when I get back into town, when, you know, I have cell service again, when I'm not enjoying myself with my family, I'll get an episode out. I'll get you guys all updated on what's been going on in the NBA, been going on with the Jazz. Uh, but with that, again, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and go Jazz.